Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here. Excited to see you on this Super Bowl Sunday. Um, good, good job being here. Your priorities are right. Um, <laughs> you're catching us uh, near the end of our All In series, very exciting series. Um, but today I wanted to start with a little bit of perspective. Now, I was going to have everybody stand up and then sit down by ages and see who the oldest was in the room, but I'm not going to do that. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But... How, how often do we, we take a time out and look at the days we have left? In fact, in the, in the Psalms, it says, uh, you know, teach us. The psalmist writes to God, teach us to count our days. Teach us to number our days because we only have so many left. So to illustrate this, if you're 20 years old-ish, you've got about this many weeks left. So just imagine every Sunday, you open up the jar, you take one out. You know, this is how many days you have left. Num number your days. If you are, say, about 40, this is how many days you have left. Now, the, the purpose of this isn't to look and go, I got tons of time. You know, like, look at all that time. I'll get my act together later, David. Um, that's what David said when he looked at it. It's like, I got that much? Great. Um, per perspective, if you're 40. Now, this is based on the average lifespan of about 78, which is the American average. Women are a little older. Men are a little younger. Uh, so perspective, though, if you're 40, you're over halfway done. So if we're talking from the beginning, you know, you don't have much left. Um, 55. If you're 55 and you take out one bean a week, this is, I could just dump this right out, right? Now, again, perspective. The point isn't to look how empty this is. You know, our minds might go to that like, oh, my goodness. You know, like the point is to see what's left. You know, God is a, isn't a God that, hey, look back and look at your regrets and mistakes. That's not God's plan. God wants us to look at what we have left and make a plan for that. So that's the point of this. If you're 70, this is roughly how many weeks you have. That's a lot. Okay, now, now I, I think this is helpful because I have heard this uh, in recent months uh, of people saying, man, I've just recently found Jesus, or, or I've just recently gone all in with Jesus, and sometimes with this little regret, like, look at all that was lost. Like, what if, what if I would have known all this earlier? I, you know, some were, I came to life young, but I never knew what it meant to really follow him until now. Look at all that I missed out on. You know what? I don't think God does that. You know, God is, if God grabbed your heart, he's not looking back going, you know, you, you should have given me more earlier. That's, that's not it. The point is, look what's left. And I'll tell you what, you can do a lot with this many beans, those who are 70 or, or older. Some of you are like, I only got like two beans left, if that's me. Um, but we can make the most of those. And that's what scripture talks about. Now, we are, again, we're on the I, our all-in series. The whole point of this series is to give us a, a picture of what does it look like to go all in with Jesus. Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself daily, take up his cross, and follow me. So, so God's call is to follow. Again, we're saved by, by faith. We're saved by Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection alone. But then after that, we're saved. Our soul is given to him. Then Jesus' call is, is follow. Not go attend church. Not be a good Christian, you know, not be a good person. It's follow me. And so Jesus is leading somewhere. And then he says elsewhere, he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and so part of this calling of being all in, of, of taking up our cross is partnering with his church, his people, uh, his people everywhere and a local congregation to engage in what he's doing. 
And part of the mission of the church, if you read in Ephesians, is to equip the saints. So, so me as a, a pastor, us as, as elders and leaders and, and youth, many of you as group leaders or leaders in other areas, your mission is to equip the saints, meaning to help others do the work of service while still doing the work itself. So that's part of our goal is to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus with our whole hearts and how does that look? And so this series, this all-in series, we've been trying to give you some handles, uh, you know, some things of what does it look like? And, and maybe some, some holes of, okay, I'm missing that in my life. And the point isn't legalism. The point isn't religion. Oh, I'm going to check these off and I'm good. The point is my heart already belongs to God. I'm already saved now. I want to glorify him in all that I do. I want to please him in everything. And so we've gone through um, our all-in uh, notebooks were given out. If you don't have one, there may be one in the seat uh, in front of you. Grab one and take it. If not, I think we have some back at the info table. Those are free. But on it, it has the, the puzzle graphic, which is kind of cool. Uh, what does it look like to be all-in? A, plan A, God's plan A is that we share a better way and there is no plan B. You know, God's plan is to save people. He, Jesus is the only way to salvation. The only way to real life now and eternal life, in eternity, that's why it's called eternal life, and we are the, the messengers. We are the ones going to share that and point people to the scripture. Uh, L, love God, the first L. We are designed to love God. That is a, a pivotal truth, that we aren't designed to work for God. We're designed to love God, and then through that love relationship, he works through us. It's kind of an overflow. So again, it's not this religion of now we do all these things, it's a love relationship, kind of like in marriage. Sometimes it feels like duty. Sometimes it is duty. But in marriage, ideally, when it's healthy, it's a love relationship for the spouse that, that pours over into doing the dishes and cleaning up the house and, and making a good dinner, whatever it looks like in that. But it's the same with us and God, uh, this love relationship. Um, and then living and learning. This is what we looked at last week. And we really pointed toward our outpost groups, uh, but the point is that God designed us to actually live in community around his word. That the truth, our authority is God's word, the Bible. Makes it very clear. And God's method of, of helping us learn, learn the word and walk it out is to do it in the context of community. And so God's plan is for us to do it together. Our way here at Common Ground of helping facilitate that in our rush life is by outpost groups. Well, now... This week is the I, invest, invest. And that's why I like this, this bean illustration. How are we investing the days that we have left? And, and we, we're going to see as we look through this that we invest our lives in different ways, but we're going to be in Luke. So turn to Luke, if you would. Luke chapter 19. But I, I like this, and I think this, this I, this invest, is very, very important. We say here at Common Ground that we're a battleship not a cruise ship, meaning we, we don't want to be a church where we get together and just kind of float around and, hey, we're good. We actually want to engage in what God has us to engage in, which is, uh, let me point to it over here, three key relationships. This is really where we're investing is in relationships. First, your relationship with God. So you see, it's not just religion. It, you're investing in a relationship with God. You're investing in relationships with fellow believers, and you're investing in the world around those who don't know Jesus yet. You know, we want to build relationships with others outside. So Luke 19, uh, this is a parable that Jesus is going to tell, Luke 19, 11 through 27, where he's going to kind of, he's going to give an example, um, and he's going to give a picture of how we are to live our lives, how we are to invest, what, what he expects of us, what he wants from us, here and now until he comes back. 
and what the payoff is. Um, a, a parable, before I read this, a parable is an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. Jesus loved to speak in parables. For some, the parables were confusing because they weren't spiritually enlightened. They didn't get it. Uh, for others, they would hear it and get it. For, for some, they didn't get it. And you see, as you read through the Gospels, the disciples might grab Jesus a little later and go, we didn't get it. <laughs> can, can you explain? And Jesus would explain. This one is pretty straightforward. And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to kind of break it down and go through. Uh, but it is, it is very clear. Luke 19, 11 to 27. As they heard these things, he, that is Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and he said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him. And sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know what they had, done, what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. They said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Lord Jesus Christ, I, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, for hearts to see this morning. Uh, give us those hearts to understand your words, uh, what you were saying, what you meant to say, what you meant for people to understand, and then how that applies to our lives and what you might want us to do uh, in a response to your word. We, we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's, here's the context. If you looked a little bit before um, in Luke 19, you see Jesus going into Jericho. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. He, it's right at the end. And he makes this great statement in Luke 19.10, kind of a mission statement for himself. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And he says, I, I came to seek and save the lost. That's what I'm doing. The next, you know, just a few days later, he would be going into Jerusalem um, on the Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, the week before his death. So he's almost to Jerusalem, and as they're getting close, his disciples and others are going with him. And Jesus had been teaching about the kingdom, and after his resurrection, he would continue to, to, to teach about the kingdom. They had already, you know, most of them had gotten a little bit of an understanding that Jesus was this Messiah. Uh, when Jesus turned, he asked his 12, 
He said, who do you guys say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And they had different answers. Who do you say that I am? And it was Peter. He said, you are the Messiah. He said, you're right. And God told you to say, you know, you got that from God. So they had an understanding that he was the Messiah. And in their eyes, from the Old Testament, the Messiah was going to be a political leader who was going to, to come in, you know, David's throne. He'd be in the line of David, which Jesus was, uh, through Mary and through his stepdad, Joseph. They were both in the line of David. And so this, this Messiah would come and reign as king, kick out Rome, because they were owned by Rome at this time. They had some freedom in government, but, but Rome was the authority. That Rome would be overthrown. Um, this king would set up his reign and rule here on earth. That is what the Messiah will do, and that is what he, he somewhat began to do. But they missed the part in the Old Testament. You see it in Isaiah 53 and elsewhere of the suffering servant. That the Messiah would be a ruling king, but first he would be a suffering servant who would give his life for his people to save souls. Not just to get followers, but to save souls. And so here they're thinking in their mind, we're going to Jerusalem. It's going down. We're going to get there. Jesus is going to rise up. There had been other messiahs in their history that had tried to rise up, but none of them worked. But they're like, this is it. He's the one. And so they're ready for the kingdom. And so Jesus kind of calls a timeout. He's like, let's sit down for a minute. Let me give you a picture because I'm not setting up the kingdom right now. It's going to be later. I'm setting up a spiritual kingdom right now. The physical one is coming later. So I want to give you a little picture of what's about to happen, what your life needs to look like, and what's coming later. And so who do we see? This is kind of the, the, the picture. And here's the point. This is in your notes. The point of this parable is to help us understand how to live as Jesus' stewards looking forward to our king's second coming. How do we live as Jesus' stewards? Again, a steward is, is somebody who manages what belongs to somebody else. And the characters. Let me just give you an over, over look of all these characters. You, you have the, the ruler, uh, the, the nobleman, that's Jesus. You know, the nobleman was going to go and receive a kingdom. Jesus, uh, was going, he was going to go die on the cross, rise from the dead, then go sit at the throne of his father in heaven. He would receive his kingdom, and he's going to come back later in authority to set up that kingdom. So G, that's Jesus. You have faithful stewards. Those are faithful believers. Those are believers, you, you and I, those of us who have said yes to Jesus and are attempting to follow, these are faithful servants. And, and you see, they're given different amounts, and they do different amounts. So we don't look at each other and compare. Uh, you know, my faithfulness is going to look different than your faithfulness, but they look the same. In, you know, so, so it's not a comparison thing, but that's who we are. Uh, there's the unfaithful steward. Now, let's get that clear. That is those among the church, those in the midst who are not real believers. And scripture makes clear there are many within the church who even think they're good with God, but they're not. They never actually surrendered to Jesus. They're doing the religion thing. And so that's some of these unfaithful stewards. And then you have these other people. You know, those, those citizens out there that don't want him to rule, those are those out there that never say yes to Jesus. They, they never get in. They never want anything to do with Jesus. And we'll see that as we go through. So here in verse... Uh, 12, this nobleman went to a far country. Verse 13, he called 10 of his servants, and he gave to them 10 minas. So that, that 10 minas, that's about three months' wages. You know, so put that in perspective. Maybe that's $10,000 in average American money. He, he gives each of them $10,000. Now, what's significant about 10 servants? Uh, most uh, theologians would say that 10 really is kind of a picture of completion. 
Meaning what he's saying is this applies to every Jesus follower. Not just these 11 disciples, you know, not just those first 122, whatever. This, this is everybody who says yes to Jesus falls into this category. And he has gifted, he has given, here it is, 10 minas to engage in business. And then he goes on his trip. He gives it to him. Now they notice that this $10,000 still belongs to the nobleman. He says, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to go get a kingdom, and I'm coming back. And they know that. You know, they understand he's coming back and we're going to make an account when he comes back of what we've done with his stuff for his kingdom. So similar to us, the things that he's given to us really belong to him. He's just entrusted us with it for a little while. As Jesus' servants and stewards, we use what he has given us to serve and grow his kingdom. And again, I, I think this stewardship is mainly in the idea of relationships. Yes, there's work that we do. You know, there, there's ministries we do on Sunday. We make coffee. We, we teach. We, lead, we do all kinds of things here. That's part of it. But, but most of this really is in relationships with, with us, one another, with God, with those who don't know God yet. And this is central to our lives. We recognize that everything we have truly is a gift given by God for God. Now, before we go on, I want to point out, you know, this parable uses money because that's an easy one, right? We know what it means to invest money uh, to get growth. And we'll invest in, in a stock or whatever, and if it's not growing, we're going to pull it out, put it somewhere else. Uh, I don't have time to do that. Maybe you do. Um, and some people have a lot of fun with that, you know, investing in it. But Scripture really gives us three areas, not just money, but, but three aspects of our lives that we are to invest to his kingdom. And here they are. As all in Jesus' followers... We seek to steward well our time, our talents, and our treasure. I'm going to go through these real quick. Time. Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That's talking about redeeming the time. There's a lot of evil, but we can buy that back. Paul taught on this some, some months ago probably now and did a great job. That's kind of this picture. That the time we have left, guess what? That's not yours. God owns your time, and he's giving it to you, however that may be. We don't know. It may be a day. You may be 20, and you've only got a week left. We don't know exactly how much time, but we steward that for him. The second one would be talents. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift that is a spiritual gift, uh, a unique ability, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Uh, you see spiritual gifts elsewhere in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. But we are given these, these gifts, these abilities that we're to steward, to use for the benefit of others. So the first use of those is for us. Again, that's another plug for groups. That's why we do groups, because a lot of us, we, we don't have the opportunity to use our gifting here in this Sunday gathering, so we use it out there. And also, that, that gifting is used for the community. For those who don't know Jesus yet, we can use that. So we steward our abilities. And I, I've heard this before. You know, people talk about, you know, their money, their stuff. Well, I worked hard to earn all this. Like, well, who made you smart? <laughs> you know, who gave you the opportunities? It, it, you may think you're smarter than everybody else, and you might be. Guess what? God gets the credit. He made you that way. You know, God owns all of it. And then the last one is treasure. 
2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 really, I think, are the best. It's two chapters you read through and you, you take notes, and you'll get a summary of how God wants us to handle our money. And in there, we are to give financially to God first. We're to give him planned, so not, you know, not guilted into it. You don't come on a Sunday somewhere and we're like, hey, there's poor kids that need your stuff. And you, you know, it, it's, it's planned. You know, we'll tell you what God is. And so you plan on what you're going to give. Uh, we give him first, planned joyfully. God loves a joyful giver. Generously and sacrificially. So kind of those are the three areas where we are to give, we are to steward for God our time, our talents, and our treasure. And all of them, not just one. You, you may look at that and go, I'm really good at that one, but I don't want to do that one. God's call is, he wants us to steward all three well for him. And again, this is an overflow. This, this shouldn't be legalism or religion. It's an overflow of him in us. He's purchased us. He's died for us. He's given us everything. So again, the immediate context, they're heading to Jerusalem. They think he's going to set up his kingdom, but really he's going to be going to the cross. So look at verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. Now, this is interesting. So Jesus is going to go. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to set up the new covenant in his blood, meaning the old covenant, uh, the law of Moses, not Abraham or Mosaic covenant, if you know your covenants. If not, that's okay. Um, the new covenant in his blood would replace the law with him moving into our hearts. And he would set that up. Uh, the temple, you know, the, the earth would quake. Uh, there was a veil in the temple that was torn in half, kind of to, to show uh, about 40 years later the temple would be completely destroyed. So Jesus was ushering in a new way of God kind of working in and through his people. Uh, so here Jesus is king, and he's king over all. And, and every individual who ever lived at some point in the end is going to recognize that. It says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. doesn't mean all will be saved. It means all at some point will go, oh. And some will go, oh. And some will go, oh. But everybody, it might be worse than that. It will be worse than that. Uh, but here's the thing is most people, this is one of those tough things to grasp. Most people will reject Jesus as king. Most people will reject Jesus as king. Scripture makes clear the road is narrow and few find it. Again, you know, G Scripture makes clear Jesus is the only way to salvation. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus alone and few will find him so the the picture they had this actually had happened this you know they sent a delegation 30 years before this was written 30 years before jesus spoke this uh there was uh, uh jewish passover uh 3, jews uh, were at a, de a demonstration archelaus was this roman leader who was going to become king anyway he as was their custom went back to rome to receive from caesar yes you're going to be king over uh, Judah, and, and as he was there, the Jews there in Judea, they sent a delegation to Rome to say, no, we don't want this king. So what Jesus is describing is what happened. You know, that, that's what they were used to. But the picture is really life right now. It was first, it was the Jews there in Jerusalem that saw Jesus and rejected him. Those who then would hear the preaching of the uh, apostles, many would say yes, many more would say no, and that's the world we live in right now. Jew, Gentile, whatever, Jesus is king. You'll either recognize him as king or he won't, but it doesn't change who he is. But our tendency is to reject him as king. 
So between verse 14 and verse 15 is where we currently live. Now, I, I wanted to do kind of a, uh, a timeline because I like the pictures, but that's where we live. So this time where he, he is king, but he's, he's gone. Physically, he's gone. He's still with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. So he's still among us. He says that in, in Matthew and elsewhere, I will be with you always. But we're living here now where there's still these people going, we don't want him to be king. And there's those of us going, let's steward what he's given us. And there's those of us faking it. You know, yeah, I'm in too. Um, that's where we live. Now look at verse 15. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had done, what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. The second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. He said to him, you are to be over five cities. Here's, here's the picture. Jesus is coming back. You know, the, the last verses in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, uh, John, after his revelation, he writes, come, Jesus, come. He's coming back. And here's what we know. We don't know when. It's, it's imminent, meaning it could be tomorrow, it could be in five minutes, it could be in 100 years. We don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back. And when he does, we're going to make an account. Scripture makes very clear, and that's what this parable is teaching, that those of us who belong to him are going to come before him, and he's going to look at you, and I could name each of you. I can, I'll name me, because that's young. He's going to, Derek, what did you do with what I gave you? I, I gave you these things. You know, and, you know, maybe he'll, here's the things I gave you that I expected you to do, but let me see what you did with it. You know, but with believers, it's, this is going to be a time of reward. You know, it's going to be a judgment to reward. It won't be a, ah, you messed up, you know, bringing up the sin. Scripture's clear. Our sin, if we're in Christ, is cast as far as the east is from the west. But we will come to make an account and to receive rewards. A faithful steward will invest their time, talents, and treasure in the growth and expansion of Jesus' kingdom. And here, it's going to be examined, and rewards will be given. Now, let me make very clear, before I get a little bit more into that, we can make the mistake to think this is all like church ministry stuff. Now, it includes church and ministry and those things, but it starts in the home. You know, I've heard those say, I've heard adults say, you know, my dad claimed God first, but what he really had was the church first. And we must, and, and kids who grew up resenting the church because of parents going, no, I have to give everything to the church, and their kids missed out. That's not it. You know, it starts in the home. Again, these relationships begins with God. You know, then it begins in with, but it begins in our home as well. And so that counts, by the way. So this investing, it's not all going out and working. Some of this is getting in your closet and praying. You see what I mean? It's not, it's not these out. We've got to be careful with that. But we're going to come before him, and he's going to look at the things that we've done, and then he's going to hand out rewards. Now, uh, 10 minas, like I said, it's about three months wages, say about $10,000. So this first one came back um, and uh, he gave an account and his 10, 10,000 turned into about $100,000. That, that's good, right? That's a good investment. He made a lot of money, but 100,000 is 100,000. And what is his reward? 10 cities. You know, again, I don't know exactly what these rewards, nobody looks, we can assume, we can make implications looking at scripture uh, that it's going to be, a, we don't know exactly, but here's what we do know. 
He got 10 cities. Let me put that into perspective. You get $10,000. You turn it into 100000 the owner comes back and you're like, okay, give me my 100000 back. Good job. Well done. I mean, that's going to be enough for me, I hope. Well done, good and faithful servant. But then it's like, okay, now for your good work, I'm going to give you Carson City, Reno, Gardnerville, Minden, Sacramento, Auburn, Truckee, South Lake Tahoe, Las Vegas, and Elko. Maybe you don't want all those. But, but, but think about that. My point is, is that proportionate? I made you $100,000 from 10, and you're going to give me, like, the state of Nevada? Disproportionate rewards. God is not fair. That gives me chills. God is not fair. We deserve eternal, eternity apart from him. What we get is not just salvation with him, but then rewards for our measly little stuff we do here. And that's what he calls it. Really, he says you're faithful in little things. Little things. I'll entrust you with much. Disproportionate rewards. God is so amazing. Our faithfulness in the little things in this life will earn great blessings in the kingdom that is to come. Great blessings. Again, same with the second that comes. Disproportionate rewards. And again, when that comes, I don't think we're going to be comparing. You know, going, oh, you got this and you got that or whatever. Um, but he's going to reward. Now, I want to flip over real quick. I think this is going to be on the screen, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. Because here, we get a, a picture of this judgment day for believers later. It says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Meaning, salvation is in Jesus alone. Meaning, all these works in this life, we're not talking about Mormons or Islam. We're not talking about those. We're talking about only those who have said yes to Jesus. Because there's no other foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, and by the way, building is the good works that you do. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, that means the day of judgment in the end, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I love the way the Apostle Paul writes this. Because here's the picture. The foundation is Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. You're saved by Jesus alone. Ephesians 2, 10, which we often leave out. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So, so he, he doesn't save us by works, but he saves us unto works, that we would then go all in with him. We would take up our cross daily, and so here we see the works. And so, you know, I've shared this picture. If you've been here very long, you've, you've heard this, you're like, I know this, which is good. You know, I want to say it enough that you can go somewhere else and repeat it. But all our works, it's, you know, we get to heaven, judgment day, we die, and we're before him, and we're carrying all the deeds that we've done in the flesh, seen and unseen, by the way. And we, and we go through a furnace, you know, the fire, and, and we're immune because, you know, we, we are. Uh, you know, and we go through, and if the works we did were worthless, not necessarily sin or evil or bad, but just worthless. You know, all your time on video games, that's, you're probably holding that. You know, and you walk through, I see some parents looking at kids. Um, you know, we could go on the list with us too, parents. Um, but th those worthless works are burned. You get to the other side, and you look down, and what's left? 
the works that were done for his glory, you know, empowered by his spirit, that's what's left. And, and, and then we will cast those at his feet and, and we'll get those rewards for it. Some, as this says, though, some are going to walk through. They're going to look down and go, well, I still got my hands, you know, and, and I'm singed a little bit. So there are those who place their faith in Jesus and, and then kind of miss this investing their lives thing. And, and in the end, I think they're going to be happy to be there, but there will be a sense of loss. I don't know how there couldn't be that I didn't invest. And that's why I like this picture. How many days do you have left? How many weeks do you have left? Are you investing them in the kingdom? Specifically, that's into people. It is. It's into relationships. Are you investing your time wisely for him, for what he would have you do, not compared to anybody else, but for what he would have you do? Now look back at this parable. Let's finish up the parable. I'm going to skip over the, the third servant. That third servant, I'm not going to read those, but you know, he hit it, and he basically calls the, the ruler a, a, a liar and a thief, meaning this person doesn't actually know him. You know, I knew you were harsh. I knew you stole from here and there. And he's like, okay, if you knew those things, you would have done this. You know, the ruler isn't saying, yeah, I do that. He's saying, if you thought that about me, then you would have done this. And so this person doesn't really know God. This is the person who looks religious but doesn't have a relationship with God. But then there's everybody else. Verse 27 is where it ends. But as for these enemies of mine, that's the bulk, who did not want me to reign over them, Bring them here and slaughter them before me. You know, that there is the picture of eternal judgment. And so here, this passage is extremely helpful to lay out the course of future history of what's coming. Judgment is coming. You know, and, and in love, we have to be honest about that judgment. It is coming. And that judgment will be based on one thing. Do you accept Jesus or not? We won't go before God and be like, give me all your list of works. The first question, what did you do with my son? We accept him by faith, we get to go into his glory. We reject him for whatever reason, this is, this is what comes, this judgment. What's our, what's our application? Why is this included? Because I'm assuming that if you come in here, there's a, a, at least a party that goes, I know what Jesus did for me, I know what he's, I want to go all in with him. I want to give him, I'm assuming and I'm hoping, and if not, I'm praying that today you'll get this little poke like, I all of a sudden have this big desire for God now. If that's the Holy Spirit doing that in us, now what does that look like? Investing. Investing in what he would do in and through you with your time, with your talents, with your treasure. Beginning in all three of those, begin small. You may hear that, oh, that's daunting. Well, then, you know, begin small, whatever that looks like. Begin small in each of those three categories. But again, Psalm 90.12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Number our days. Here's the thing. God is doing great things. He really is. God's at work. We're excited. You know, I, I mean, Paul and I walk through the building over here again, and we talk a lot about that because we've just seen God do great things there uh, over and over. But, you know, the, the loan that we have is coming through, and it's a ridiculous rate. Everything about it's ridiculous. Um, it's basically just God saying, I have a plan, and I'm doing it. And not just here. I could share, share stories of other churches in town where God is doing really cool things. Two churches that were basically dying and, and miserable, um, and God revived them and, and brought them together and going. So God is at work in our city and in our country and around the world. So are we part of it? Are we investing? You know, in the end, we may, be, we may go and it's burned up. God's still going to do those great things. The question is, are we going to get to be part of it? That's the exciting life. Let me pray. Father, thank you 
for the perspective that you give. Um, I do thank you that salvation isn't based on works. And I, and I do ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make that clear in our hearts and minds right now, that we wouldn't feel um, a guilt, a pain, that we're not doing enough. Um, that's not the point. Uh, that we wouldn't think uh, we need to work better in order to be right with you. But I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with your joy, uh, your security, your hope, in such a way that we know that we are good with you, that then prompts us in love to go, now I want to give everything back. Because that's the right order. Not to give back to get, but to give back because you're worth it. I mean, as we sing, you're worth it. You're, you, all glory belongs to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we continue to worship, we have the Lord's Supper up here. Uh, this is your time to come up. Uh, take the bread, take the cup. Remembering what Jesus did on the cross for you, remembering that your salvation isn't by works. But then also, before you take it, take a minute and just pray. You know, ask God, God, what, what would you have me do with some of this truth? Is there anything in my life you want to change? That's how an all-in-Jesus followers approaches God and his word open. And God may say, you know what, you're doing just what I have for you right now. We don't always have to go, oh, I'm a mess. He may say, you're good, I like what you're doing, keep going. He may say, right now, well done, good and faithful servant. But have that conversation with God. Where, where are we? Is there any one of these areas, time, talent, or treasure, where you want me uh, to make a change? And then commit to that and come take the Lord's Supper.